Hey everyone, this is the Quick Thoughts with Adam podcast. Today, we're going to Los Angeles to have another day of sun. I'm here with my buddy Juan Pablo, and we're going to start a fire. Welcome, everyone. This is the Quick Thoughts with Adam podcast. I am your host, Adam, and today I've got my friend Juan Pablo here. Juan Pablo, tell us a little bit about yourself. How are you doing today? Hey there. I'm well. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited for this. Of course. This is... The previous two have been awesome, so I'm hyped. Yeah, it's very exciting. Um, unlike last time when we recorded Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, the first episode hadn't even come out before, so I'm really excited that you've been able to like, kind of get a feel for the structure of the podcast we're kind of trying to switch it up um i just want to let everybody who's listening know that we're moving the movie news towards the end of the podcast um but don't let that bog you down because i know you're here for the stuff um about the movie so uh just so you know um at the end of every episode in case you haven't listened to the whole end of it i do a teaser at the end of it giving a quote from the movie or a uh line from it so it should be very exciting. Um, today we're talking about La La Land. It was written and directed by Damien Chazelle. Uh, Damien Chazelle also did Whiplash and First Man, both very good movies. Uh, I, have you seen either of them? No, no actually, I have not. Those are on my watch list, though. I really need to watch those. I, I strongly recommend them. Damien Chazelle is very dynamic and very relevant at this time. Whiplash was 2014. First Man was 2017. Uh, Whiplash followed Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons, who also makes an appearance in this movie as well as First Man, which also starred Ryan Gosling as Neil Armstrong. It's mostly about the Apollo 11 missions. So, but getting into more of this La La Land stuff, written and directed by Damien Chazelle, a uh, great guy, starring Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, um, who also starred in another movie together. I am blanking on the name at the moment. Um, yeah, I but know. I know that they were in one together. Um, anyways, so music by Justin Hurwitz and just some fun facts about the film and the people behind it. So uh, Damien Chazelle was best friends. They, he is best friends. Sorry. He is best friends with Justin Hurwitz who wrote the music for this film. And they actually began working on this script during their college years together. In college, they were working on the script. And of course, I mean, it's college. So they were not really... Um, anywhere near a budgetable thing that they could make into it. Um, as well as uh, the fact that uh, Justin Hurwitz has done the score for all three of Damien Chazelle's movies. So he did the score for Whiplash and he did the score for First Man, both standout movies um, with the score. So I wanna talk about the Oscars in this movie because it's very interesting. Before we get into that, actually, Ryan Gosling, I don't know if you knew this, but Ryan Gosling spent three hours a day, six days a week, learning piano just for this movie. That blew my mind when I read that. The dedication. I was researching and wow. It's crazy. I don't think I would have the kind of attention span for that. As, as any, like, being a musician or trying to be a musician, you just envy that. Like, it's definitely like, crazy. And no hand models were used at all in at the all. movie. It was him. Or his piano playing it was very impressive. Yes. Um, I believe that it's dubbed over by the composer, Justin Hurwitz, for a couple oh, of the scenes. Okay. It is dubbed over, but all the handwork is Ryan Gosling. And it's really impressive. You can yeah. see it. No, it looks real. 
it's like the equivalent of doing your own stunts, but I would say more dangerous because you have all these music people who are going to come after you if you do something yeah. wrong. And I also <laughs> heard that both Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, not very good dancers either. No. Not very good dancers. No. <laughs> they learned dancing. And they had some pretty intense choreography. It's crazy, especially scenes. if we think of uh, A Lovely Night. That yeah. dance sequence stands out to me. It's I, yes, it's just amazing. That's the way to put it. On to the Oscars for this movie. Emma Stone, of course, won Best Actress. Very, very, very good call on yep, the Academy's sure. part. She definitely deserved it. Damien Chazelle got Best Director. He's the youngest uh, director to win the award for Best Director, which is crazy to me. And it how got, old is he? I, I uh, let me look that up really quick. Damien Chazelle, I believe he's in his 30s. Um, I think he's 37, if I'm correct. Yeah, that's crazy. Damien Chazelle... Yeah, 1985. It's uh -huh. crazy. Wow. It is crazy. He's very, very good. He's yeah, very, very talented. talented guy. We also see the uh, best cinematography, which in these montage sequences, and especially in the dance sequence in the planetarium, I think the examples of cinematography are incredible. The summer yeah, montage. Not a surprise. Not a surprise. Not at all. Um, the summer montage, especially when they, when Sebastian and Mia they see the couple get engaged, which then later Sebastian is, of course, playing the engagement party for or the wedding. Mm -hmm. um, they see them get engaged, and then they do this crazy cheers thing, and the camera just is going crazy. Um, yeah. It also happens when we see Emma Stone at the coffee shop. We see the plate. Well, there's a montage with coffee stuff going on, as well as Sebastian putting the record on at his house. So it, it's just surrounding all of this. Uh, so, moving on, we got the best score, obviously. Very, very, very good score. Justin Hurwitz deserves it 100%. 100%, this guy absolutely deserved it. Yeah, very, very interesting instrumentations. And I like, like the use of the flutes a lot. Yes. Very nice. It's going back to the roots of what these instruments used to represent in classical music. And he's applying it to jazz, which is very, very, very cool. We've also got uh, City of Stars, which won Best Original Song. It's amazing. City of Stars. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's my favorite song in the movie, though. Really? We'll talk about like that later. I think it's everyone's favorite song. I think it's the most iconic, but yeah. um, we'll, we'll, we'll get into the favorite songs later. Um, then it got Best Production Design. And then this is really interesting. I was holding back on telling you this until now. I don't know if you've heard about the Oscar mess up that happened at the Oscars, literally live TV. Um, so when Best Picture was coming to be announced, the announcer for Best Picture was accidentally given the Best Actress card. And he saw Emma Stone's name on it for La La Land. And so the announcer announced that La La Land had won the best picture. Mm. Everybody gets on stage. They make their speeches. This is all on YouTube. You can go look this up. It is insane. It is very actually heartbreaking. I, I heard about it when it came out. And what, what was that Oscar? Like 2017 or 2016? Yeah, 2017. The year. 2017. Because yeah, the movie came out in I remember hearing about it. I didn't watch the movie. I haven't seen it at that point right. uh, in 2017. But I heard about all that stuff, and it's pretty crazy. It's, it's really crazy because then 
in the video, you can see all the actors and crewmates um, looking at the names on the Oscar awards and they are realizing, oh, this isn't us. And they actually cut off one guy in the middle of the speech. It's crazy. I really encourage you to go watch the, the video of it. It's just so sad. Um, Moonlight was the real winner, by the way. I have not seen Moonlight. Um, I don't know what it's about, actually. No, I have no information about Moonlight. So, <laughs> let's get into the breakdown of this movie. It opens with one of the most memorable dance sequences ever. It is immensely entertaining to watch. I have so many things just to say about this. <laughs> this opening scene. It just draws you in. Like, you... It, it just listening and watching it the very beginning in the traffic jam right mm -hmm. and all the radios playing and then it goes to this one girl in her yellow dress and she just bursts into a musical right and everyone else joins in that's just amazing it gives you the chills it gives and you like, the chills that's the song that i walked out of that movie just like humming in my head another right? day of sun another it day is sun. yeah that, yep. it sticks with you it and sticks with you it describes the whole plot of the movie too completely so well Right. And I honestly feel like a lot of the songs, right. Um, the, the fool's who dream and all, all those mm -hmm. songs really just like describe the movie in like three minutes. Exactly. Completely. And I think that's a really cool aspect. Right. I mean, with a lot of musicals, <clears throat> Disney, you really see uh, <laughs> them just putting in the music that doesn't necessarily have much to do with the plot, but then you see La La Land come along um, I, I would say that Les Mis is an exception. It's not Disney, but yeah, for sure. And Sound of Music, it's hard because a lot of these songs are just songs that are in there because it's a musical, because mm -hmm. that's how they're telling the story. But when it's a musical because that's what it is, I mean, it's about music, it's about performances and stuff like that. It really is incredible to see how the music describes the plot so yeah um i think about that day i left him at the greyhound station west in santa fe we were 17 but it was but he was sweet and it was true still i knew what i had to do so the 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 melody of this song is so catchy it gets you yeah. it's so catchy yeah and, and i the, think good i think before sorry before we start really um, talking about this and getting deep into it. Yeah. It's really important to keep in mind a lot of these old school musicals, mm -hmm. like the old Hollywood kind Fred of. Fred Astaire. Musicals, like, yeah, all those, all those movies. Um, and this, this movie just really captures so, and takes from so many of those movies and brings it into this more contemporary film, right? But yeah. also having this touch of old school, um, all these bright colors, right? It's, it's really cool. Exactly. I completely agree. And it really throws you off because you're like, okay, what, what year is this set in? Because you see people with cell phones, but then you see mm -hmm. people with nice cars and Ingrid Bergman posters yeah, in their it's, room. It's timeless, really. It is timeless. You're completely correct. There's very little use of technology, except for the first scene with Emma Stone. We'll get into that later. Um, but they actually closed down a freeway just to film That's this crazy. sequence. And I don't know if you noticed, but this entire sequence, up until the cut for the coffee scene, it's one take. 
It's ridiculous. That blew it's my mind. Crazy. And a couple other scenes are in one take, right? Yeah. It's like a there are really long eight, takes. Eight minutes of just one take, and like imagining messing that up for honestly, it's through a five minute take, right? It would be in- and, incredible to have yeah, messed and, up like the fiftieth take of when you're closing down a freeway. You don't have a lot of time to like film it, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I feel like the one take um, approach that they take is it really, really draws you in, right? Definitely. It keeps you in the movie. It doesn't, it keeps your attention. Like in 1917, I'm glued to that. I'm glued to the screen every time I watch that movie. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. It, it just draws really in. draws you in. That's like, I think you that's like the there. point of this movie. Exactly. The realism is ridiculous. Especially with the dialogue in this movie too. The realism of the dialogue. Yeah. So we go through and we see, we pan down from the sky we see all these cars, different radio stations playing. Of course, this lady starts humming and singing. And then everybody just gets out of their cars. And there's a scene where, um, like, the camera goes over the, the barrier, the median in the middle of the road. And my sister pointed out something really funny, actually. Um, both of these streets, there's a median, right? But both yeah. cars are going the same way, which is kind of odd. I didn't notice that. Yeah, it is really weird because <laughs> very weird. Of course, they're loading onto the same freeway. I wonder what it is, but it was really kind of jarring to see that both cars were going the same way with a median in the middle. Yeah, I mean, in Texas we see the HOV lanes and stuff like that, but in Maryland and stuff like that, we don't. There's, it's not there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we 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 get this these awesome one takes. <laughs> are we going to talk about the fact that there's like a drum section in the back of a truck i i know and just like a bass player ready bit of a and, nitpick yeah i i bit. i i don't think you can nitpick this though you can't nitpick <laughs> it fairly like it's a musical and it's, it's a musical right everybody's everyone's dancing on a on a highway singing right? the same words you have skateboards and bikes and right going over cars <laughs> and stuff you can't nitpick it no way and they're all dancing in unison That's, yeah, that, that was my one of my favorite things. The one that he opened up the back of that truck and that band right. was like, And then everyone started dancing and like the, the cultural difference too. Exactly. And everyone dancing in their own styles and just really embracing themselves all as one, right? And Exactly. That's super cool. And I think there's also something to be said, like it's kind of cliche, but I think it's worth mentioning that they're all in a traffic jam, right? They're all right. stop, right? And like, if you think about it, cliche again, but we're all in a traffic jam right? We're all yep. in traffic jam, making stops and then going, stopping and going, right? And why not get out and sing for a bit, you know? Exactly. Make the most of it. Yep. Another day of sun as the, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's incredible. Perfect. It's perfect. Everything about this sequence is great. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to say about the dance sequence or? No, I think about it, that. That's it. I get chills every time I see it's it. It's incredible. It's when they're all dancing on top of their cars. This is one of the best openings to a film. It really gets you into the the tone of the movie, what the movie's going to be. And just the the American dream, quite literally. Mm-hmm. Being able to go out there and make it, you know. Los Angeles, yep. LA, La La yeah, Land. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so then we move on to the introduction to Sebastian. We see him in a car with a bunch of cassette tapes in the back seat, and he's just rewinding this tape and listening to this one section over and over again. 
this is the first time we see him with his music. We both get introduced to Mia and Sebastian in their hobbies, right? So we see Sebastian with the music and then we see Mia auditioning or practicing her audition. Uh, <laughs> and then of course Mia is stuck on her script and the traffic starts to move. <laughs> and Sebastian just introduces the long honk that we'll see later on, especially when they begin dating. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> uh oh. Yeah, you should have seen this movie by now, hopefully, if you're listening to Come the podcast. On. What are you doing? Watch that. Exactly. Also, I don't care that I'm offending you. It's kind of your fault if you haven't seen this movie. <laughs> no, for sure. I don't feel, feel like bad. Just go like watch every, it. So far, every podcast. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep saying it too, without shame. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> So then he just passes her. He gives her the, what, what's going on? And then she just flips him off. And I mean, what's more realistic than that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think that that opening from the, the Another Day of uh, Sun scene, right? Mm-hmm. It's really cool because you see, and really throughout the entire movie, you're seeing both of these people's perspective, right? You're seeing right. both Mia, Emma Stone, and Ryan Gosling, Sebastian's perspective. Right, and it's really cool how it starts off. I think it actually starts off with Mia's day. Yes. I'm pretty sure. It starts off with Mia's We see day. Sebastian first, but then we go to Mia, and then we stay with Mia, and then we yeah. go back to Sebastian. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. I love that perspective thing. I think that's very important, especially for a romance. Definitely. Very neat. Very Shakespearean, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, because you usually see, you start off with these two people who haven't met each other yet, who have had like these little interactions and have these ties that they don't know about. And they, they kind of hate each other. Exactly. Right. right? And I think that's, we'll, we'll have to talk about that more later. Definitely. On. Definitely. Towards the end, especially that becomes very important and very interesting to talk about. So we go on to Mia, she's working at the coffee place. And this is when we get introduced to this idea of what the American dream is or what Mia strives to be. We walk behind this lady who goes up to the counter and orders her crazy order for her coffee. And uh, the guy comes in from the side. It's on us. No, no, I insist. So they, she pays. This is mirrored later on with Mia when she becomes rich and famous in the epilogue. We'll get to that more in detail. But then Mia is late for an audition. And so she has to ditch. This scene is crazy as well did you have anything you want to say about that part or no no not really i i do think it's super cool how it's in the in the warner brothers yeah square right and they're exactly a little, a little coffee shop there and i think it, it's it's really perfect because as you said it's the american dream right? right and that's where you want to be and that's what who mia aspires to be and she does end up being right but at what cost at what right? cost that's the big question here mm-hmm. um so then we get to her audition and I love how the camera just stays focused on her, even though we hear the director and the casting director talking behind her or in front of her, behind us, behind our perspective. Uh, she's doing really well, it seems. Uh, although I guess we should mention that she does spill coffee on herself on the way out of the coffee shop. So then she has to wear this blue parka. Yeah, that was, that's rough. It's rough. Could you, yeah. rough. you feel you feel for her there? That's just not, exactly. not a good day. Not a good day at all. Right. Again, towards the realism aspect. So she's, she seems to be doing pretty well on this audition that she was practicing in the car earlier. So then an assistant comes and knocks on the window and is let in. 
And this is right in the middle, the emotional climax of her audition. And she just ends up getting interrupted by this lady who is coming in for a lunch order and for a coffee order. So I, I've heard stories about this. Um, and a lot of people who I've watched on YouTube, I watched tons of reviews for this movie, um, especially in advance for this podcast, um, just to get an idea of what other people thought of it besides me, right? Because I'm pretty biased when it comes to movies. <laughs> um, so I've heard stories about this actually happening to people, which is really sad, actually, because if you're trying to get somewhere, right, and you have this person who comes in and decides that they're going to interrupt your audition with the director's permission, who probably isn't even paying attention. Yeah, it's really rough. And I was reading that 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 apparently happened to Ryan Gosling, too. Yeah. And there was this. Yeah, I, I read that somewhere. And I thought that was really cool. Actually, It is really cool. Um, like not 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 cool, but like it's cool how yeah. it's cool how it's mirrored. Yeah. Exactly. Again, towards the realism of the movie, it really I mean, being a musical, you don't really think about realism, but it is very you feel it. It's like relatable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, so then I believe we go back to Sebastian's perspective unless yes. we don't do we yeah we go to Sebastian's perspective because someone in the crowd comes after that right yeah. and then they meet mm-hmm. at the club okay perfect so um we go to Sebastian's perspective he gets home to his house and his sister's there um did you have anything sorry I'm just yeah rolling so, right I, along I, go ahead yeah, I just want to point out when we're in Sebastian's perspective right and he's playing this radio he's replaying the same opening to a mm-hmm. jazz song over and over again right and i think that that really opens up to like who he is right he's a musician trying to nail and understand and analyze the first five seconds of a jazz piece right, right? to perform that he's getting ready to perform and you see him do that in the car and then when he gets home right he goes puts on a, the record right and goes on his piano and plays the thing a couple times trying to figure it out right and that that really opens up the struggle of the musician and him coming home too and his home being in a wreck and Mm -hmm. him out of money right and that whole conversation he has it it opens up that idea of him being a musician and him struggling with it definitely especially because when you think about the high life of musicians and actors you don't know the story of the ones who didn't make it you know, you only see the people who made it, the famous people, right? So it does play into this idea that you're not going to, you know, make it the first time. It's really a risk. It's a 50-50. It's like a coin toss based on, I mean, really chance. Really on For the sure. coin toss. For sure. Some make it, some don't. And that's part of what we see in these introductions. So then his sister's there sitting on a stool that he doesn't want her to sit on. I forget who signed it, but it was a famous musician. And we see that at his club later on. Very funny. That's one of those moments where I'm just speechless and my jaw kind of just drops silently. I'm like, I'm just, when, when she walked into his club for the first time towards the end, I don't want to get too ahead. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just one of those times when I was just glued to the screen. My eyes were, I wasn't yeah, even blinking. For sure. 
yeah, wanted to was, see what was going to happen. Well, I was I was taking notes throughout this entire. I was trying to take notes. Right. <laughs> and like, I forgot I was taking notes at so many points because I was just like, oh, yeah. At every scene of the movie, and I was like, oh shoot, I gotta take notes. Exactly. Yeah. I actually I actually found that too. I was pausing the movie a lot because there's so much to write down. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's crazy. It is a packed movie, and I don't think a single scene in this movie is unnecessary. I think every scene you need to pay off in the end. Yeah. Um, a lot of the movies you see that not being the case. You can see some movies that might have scenes that, well, does this really need to be here? I think of longer movies, especially, you know, like the three hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't think of any come to mind right now. Um, but I know that there are some scenes in movies that I just don't exactly find completely necessary but this movie is an exception to that rule after this um so he drives actually i missed this point because i skipped to the house part but he he drives to this coffee place and then is just looking at this samba and tapas place and in the in the dialogue between him and his sister at the house we realized that it used to be a jazz club, a famous jazz club where a bunch of people used to play, you know, and then it's just Samba and Tapas. And then he has this really funny line. Samba and Tapas, at least do one of them. Right. You know, (laughs) so I, I, Sebastian is great. I think he's my favorite character. It's a good character. Definitely. Uh, Then we move on to, I think after, Sebastian's perspective we go back to Mia's house after her audition and we get someone in the crowd this song is pivotal and it actually spoils the movie for later on someone in the crowd could be the one you need to know someone who Mm -hmm. could lift you off the ground and we find out that literally someone in the crowd at her performance later on was the person who brought her back for audition that took her to Paris yeah and that ultimately ended up splitting her and Sebastian yeah but before we get all the way down there, we see this idea of what, you know, the famous person's life is with the partying. And these three roommates of hers, I almost find them annoying, but they're charming enough that I'm just like, okay, <laughs> yeah. I'm having fun with this. Yeah. Um, but also with some of the vocals and the instrumentation, the jazz really shines in this in this song especially yeah um so she's debating whether or not she's going to go out with her friends um and then she ultimately decides to go out and this scene when she walks out and then we finally get like the bridge in between the song and the last refrain you know we get the bridge when they're outside dancing right and that scene where they're all walking towards the camera that uh, to me is the embodiment of what they think this life should be. And that's why they're doing this. They're doing this to fit in with what the high life is, you know, Mm -hmm. what they think think, it it is. Yeah. And I think that really, what really adds to this are the colors, Mm -hmm. especially of their dresses and in their apartments. Yeah. Right. There's so many colors. Like it's a technicolor world and it's, yeah, (laughs) it's awesome. It's, it really adds. I, I wish that the director would give us some, 
like clue to what all the colors all the different colors meant because yeah it's it, it's really interesting i've seen some breakdown videos i haven't watched them but i've like seen them on youtube you know scrolling through i really do want to check out what like this color stuff could mean because it's really prominent in this film yeah it's, i have a couple things to say that about later on gotcha but, um i um i also think it's very interesting that it's I really like that the dresses are really simple. Mm-hmm. Like they're very simple. They're just colors, really. Right. Um, like a couple of fancy skirts here and there. Right. right. But it's <laughs> it's simple stuff, right? And it's I think that that's very cool. I was reading some stuff about um, about Emma Stone and the, the costume design for the movie overall. Right. right? Yeah. And that's something that they wanted to go for. Right. It was just the simple, colorful dresses look the best. Right. And that's. Usually people think like over fancy with like crystals and whatever, you know, (laughs) but no, it was very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting to see what the actors have to bring to a production. You know, it's not just the director, you know, laying down the hand. This is what's going to happen. This is everything that's going to happen. It's really, he's not, he is a superior in the fact that he has more authority over the production of the movie, but they shouldn't, the actors shouldn't, be afraid to bring up what they think could add to the movie. I have a really good example of that later on, especially. I love this montage too. After, so they just finished walking towards the camera. They load up into their car, uh, (laughs) which we end up realizing gets towed before her and Sebastian meet. Because sometimes when I'm watching this movie, I kind of forget that this isn't, the party that she meets Sebastian at, and then they do the lovely night thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I haven't seen this movie terribly many times. So, <laughs> I mean, two times, <laughs> fairly <laughs> recently too. So uh, yeah, two different I, parties. Very important to realize that. Yeah, exactly. Because one during the nights and one during the day. Yes, you're right. Um, so this one's during the night. We see all these signs and stuff. They go to a club with a swimming pool. This is really intriguing to me. What's the swimming pool doing there? We, I mean, <laughs> they, like they just dive in with their full like tuxedos and stuff. Yeah, which is which I love. Party, so that I, scene is awesome. The cinematography yeah, for that scene is a lot. Incredible. There's a lot to talk about here. There's a lot. We get her. I'm gonna say a monologue in her monologue. Essentially, that's what it is. We get her monologue in the bathroom. She goes in there after not having much success, literally making any friends, not even just flirting with guys. You know. Um, but she goes in there and then she walks out. This is a really interesting effect that they use too, where not all the time is moving. It's, it's really weird because some people are completely frozen, but some people are moving, but she's moving in perfect time and there's stuff falling around. There's like snow falling. Yeah. Out of uh, nowhere. But then it brings me to this spotlight aspect that we see a lot it pops up in the movie. Yeah. I was of, about to talk about these. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. What, what do you have to say mm-hmm. about this scene? Here? Um, so I, I think it's important to look at the aesthetic of the party, right? So we have at a party, right? A lot of people, a lot of couples, right? Mm-hmm. And being alone, right? And I think it's really cool what the music does with the movie visually, right? Um, you have the scene of her going to the bathroom and her having the spotlight effect, right? Of this kind yeah. of internal 
um, like focus really. Right. Exactly. Draws the attention to the character. And then she walks out, right. In kind of this fear, but excitement, right. Walks out seeing all these, and really emphasizing all these couples on the side dancing in slow motion. Right. Right. Um, and like the music is, I think it's the flute playing mm-hmm. that it just has this kind of driving, like it starts slow and soft. Right. But then slowly gets faster and faster. And you see the snow coming down. And I think there's also something really to be said about this, about the entire movie being, it's so real, but it's also really fantastical, right? I agree completely. There's a lot of these things that just don't make any sense, right? And it's a musical. A lot of things don't make sense. Right. Like people don't just burst out into a sing, but um, it's very fantastical. So I think the snow kind of, I, I don't know. But yeah. I think that that entire scene of the music kind of driving forward and there's that fear, but excitement, right? And that's something that happens at parties, right? And definitely, I think that's, I think that's very cool. It is. Cinematography just blew it. Blew it away. Yeah. Out of the ballpark completely. Mm -hmm. Um, Because then you get the guy jumping in the pool and that's when the music really starts going, you know, like like the The refrain comes back. Definitely. So then actually the camera goes into the pool. I don't know if you saw this, but the camera yeah. goes into the pool and then starts spinning around rapidly. And, and then I just believe... flies up to these fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that's all in one take too. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, it that's, is. It's, that's crazy. It's, it's crazy. That's one of my favorite things. Stuff really one of my favorite, like, I don't know what that is. Minutes. Yeah. 60 yeah. seconds. I bet. Yeah. Very cool. It's everything that this life is supposed to be that they're trying to achieve, but all the obstacles are in their way. And this is really about getting through the obstacles and what getting through the obstacles actually costs. Yeah. So we see this elevated life, but we also see the desire for a normal life in the love life of Mia and Sebastian, especially, which then we get introduced to when her car is towed. Um, she just has to walk through. This is after the party ends. I don't know why she doesn't have her friends with her. Because they all came in the same car. So either they decided to stay at the party or she's just ditching them with no ride yeah, home. Or, or they ditched with some guys or something. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was just really kind of weird that she was just walking alone, I thought. Because yeah. they all came together. And they lived together. But then this is so powerful musically to me. When she's walking and walking and then she finally passes the club. And she hears what is credited in the soundtrack as Mia and Sebastian's theme. And this is really what draws her in to, um, wait a minute, hang on. So Sebastian's perspective actually doesn't happen until this part, because remember she walks in and then she just looks at him and the theme's playing. I always thought you're totally right. It's really confusing. It is really confusing. well, it's not, it's not confusing when you're watching it. It makes perfect sense. But like trying to recap and like, yeah. uh, uh, one of us should probably have had like a, a scene by scene list. Right. Before <laughs> this, but no, it's all good. Yeah. So forget what we said about Sebastian. We're introduced to him now pretty much. So picking up from where we really left off, which was for Sebastian, which is at his house. Then we see him go to this club where J.K. Simmons, who also played J. Jonah Jameson in oh. the original Spider, excuse me, Spider-Man movies, uh, it, it it's so funny to me. He is such a great actor. Yeah, he's, uh, he's hilarious. He's in Whiplash too. He's got a big role in that one. 
So I wonder if Damien Chazelle and him have this kind of friendship that he was like, hey, you were in Whiplash. Let's give you this little part in La La Land. It'll be fun. Uh, I think Whiplash is definitely how Damien Chazelle got his big break. So I think that might be why he's so... J.K. Simmons is in this movie, in this little cameo role. We see that he's strictly... Sebastian is strictly told to play the set. Um, And I'm pretty sure this is something that all musicians struggle with. I've never been, I've never had a gig, you know? Um, so I've never actually one, played one day, a man. set. One day. One day. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had a set that was given to me that I had to play. But I, I'm sure that there would be this temptation, especially for a pianist who has so much yeah, stuff memorized. Jazz pianist. Right? Improv's not, part of not his Not just job. stuff memorized, just imp- improv. Exactly. Right? And I, I think that, that that entire thing, again, it opens up and really shows that he's a struggling musician, right? And like yeah. an aspiring musician. And you see both of this in Mia's day, right? Mia's uh, perspective and Sebastian's perspective at the beginning, that they're both aspiring people, right? They're right. both aspiring for goals. And for, this, for these jobs that usually a lot of the time are looked down upon by people who are trying to, or looked down upon to people who are trying to, to inspire. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, yeah, but I get you. People aspiring for those jobs and roles really are looked down upon, right? Or kind of mm-hmm. disregarded. By the people who do have those roles. Yeah. And those jobs. Because it's a, it's a dream, right? It's a, a dream exactly. that's really fantastical, right? Definitely. And that's, I think this is, dreams have a big part in this movie. And I was kind of catching on to it before the big song. And I was like, oh, okay. So it, they're obviously telling us that dreams are a big thing. So before the Here's to the Fools Who Dream song, uh, <laughs> that song is amazing as well. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. I'm, I'm so trying hard not to get ahead of myself because I, this, there's so much to talk about with this movie. Yeah. Um, but then it's ultimately his decision, Sebastian, back in the club. It's his decision to go off the set that draws Mia in. Mm-hmm. And which here, is really interesting. Here we see the spotlight again, mm-hmm. right? We see, yeah, he's obviously hating playing these boring Christmas tunes. We wish you a Merry Christmas, right? <laughs> Noel and all this corny uh, Christmas songs, right? And um, and he just can't help but like like a burning desire, just like to burst into jazz, right? Right. And you and- see that spotlight of him doing what he loves, right? His passion, right? And I exactly. think that that's what comes down to what the spotlight is, right? Is this internal passion, right? This longing for something Definitely. Else. And it makes me wonder, this isn't just in his head, right? I mean, because he's in his own world, definitely. He's not paying attention to the people around him. If you notice when he's playing the Christmas songs, because this part takes place in winter, uh, which is interesting, because it's LA and there's no snow, of course. Besides in the someone in the crowd music number. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. But we do see the, um, we see, uh, we see, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought here. Um, the spotlight on him and he's looking down at the piano. But when he's playing the Christmas songs, he is looking up and looking at the reactions around him. Mm-hmm. Did you have anything you want to say about this? Yeah, I, I think that's actually really interesting to look at because you can see that he's just looking like he's distracted by everything else. Right. It's what he's doing is not getting his attention. Right. He's just looking around at 
people having a good time, right? Well, he's not really, right? I think that's what it comes down to, right? But when he transitions into his uh, improvisation that he does, that spotlight happens and everything is cut out around him and he's in a world of his own. And like, especially as a musician, even an actor, right? That's what you have to do, right? You have to basically cut off everything external almost, right? Right. Usually. And then focus on the internal and then making that internal external for the ones around you. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's exactly what the spotlight is. I think we cracked the spotlight. We did it. (laughs) Good job. We got it. Um, (laughs) But then of course the spotlight turns off and the lights come back on. Everybody's looking at him. And, uh, then J.K. Simmons does his little finger thing, you know, the thing he does where he's like, come here, you know, Parker, when you see me, I'll see you in my office, you know. <laughs> uh, it's, it's great. It's great. J.K. Simmons has such a – he's typecast in almost all of his roles. It's so For awesome. Sure. If you For see sure. Whiplash especially. Sorry, J.K. Simmons, I'm a fanboy. You can tell. <laughs> uh, then he gets fired. And it's really interesting because this is the first scene – that they actually meet, that they speak a word to each other. Because no, they, don't even, they don't even speak a word to each other. Well, Mia said, no, not to each other, I guess. But Mia yeah. walks, hey, I heard you play. And then he bumps into her. Uh-huh, yeah. I guess so she was trying to. Interaction. First, well, <laughs> unless you so count the you, middle if finger. If you call it that. Yeah. Unless, yeah, well, okay, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> You're right. But this is, in the epilogue, this is the first scene that we see they transition back to. Um, when they go off into their what might have been yeah mm-hmm. um, that's montage yep um we'll we'll flash back to all these parts when we get to that part because the epilogue is probably going to take the longest to talk about yeah i think i think it's important to go through this film in an order right mm-hmm. from beginning to end because the stuff in the end really has to do a lot with the beginning right mm-hmm. and like duh but right. like <laughs> it especially has these flashbacks and these basically alternate um alternate uh, uh stories right exactly exactly um so they bump into each other and then i think we go into an audition montage with mia right i think that's next and uh, she, yeah <laughs> this is really funny um uh she has this audition with this one lady and she says this is my classroom and if you don't like it you the door's to my left <laughs> and then uh man i wish i wrote this down i was thinking about it i was just laughing my head off in the moment um do you have the quote by any chance it's really funny because oh, i do not yeah it's you know i'm talking about the jamal <laughs> i do yeah it's so it's kind of typical and it's just yeah it is hilarious i think she pulls it off great emma stone is hilarious in this movie yeah very good actor um we go from that to uh, then Sebastian. Uh, well, he's he's trying to land on the street. I think this this is the switch to spring, right? When then we see them meet at the party. Mm-hmm. Um, so the hilltop, the I think right. yeah, hilltop hilltop party. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, why don't you go ahead and take the point for this scene? The uh, <laughs> go on first. Yeah. So yeah, hilltop party is the introduction into spring, right? Um, very colorful dresses people have pool party people in swimming suits right bands playing uh what is it take on no it's it's take on me 
It's take on me. Yeah, Ben's playing take on me. Um, Mia notices Sebastian, right? Uh, who she's barely had an interaction with, but Mia right. knows that Sebastian is a jerk, right? And mm-hmm. right, so they know each other. Not they don't have good uh, opinions on each other, but um, that that funny request from Mia. Uh, <laughs> I ran. Song, I ran. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then just the facial expression of Sebastian, just playing those chords, mm-hmm. tickling those ivories. Yeah, right. tickle those ivories, piano man. <laughs> I, I laughed at that. I laughed I'm at pretty that. sure I, I looked this up. I was, I was like, oh my gosh, is that Justin Hurwitz, the lead singer who sang Take On Me and all that stuff? Oh, is that really? Um, I'm, I think so. Um, I looked it up. It was like this weird article source I'd never seen before. Uh, <laughs> but uh so i think that is a cameo by him the lead singer of this band but uh mia is making all these dance moves she's she's dancing like mocking him (laughs) while while the guy's singing iran uh and then i love this interaction between them the first real conversation between them when after all that uh they're talking on the balcony or like the you know the little patio there and he says it is insulting that you would ask Iran of a serious musician. You would ask a serious musician to play Iran. It is insulting. Serious it, musician? <laughs> exactly. There, this is like where we get into the whole love-hate part, right? Um, yeah, for sure. Before they really fall for each other, which actually happens literally that night, this night, right? This is, yeah. Yeah, it is that night. Mm-hmm. Uh, because then we cut to night after this interaction with them. Uh, <laughs> the pri- the his sunglasses yeah. the pre yeah, exactly uh i love i love his sunglasses ryan gosling just plays with those sunglasses so well i know yeah i think he goes with everything well like that's yeah <laughs> he's just <laughs> he's so just dynamic like, yeah the epitome of just an attractive man right that's ryan gosling exactly exactly um so we also see uh then we cut tonight where she's talking to this writer guy who she introduced to later. And it's really funny because he keeps talking even when she starts talking to Sebastian because he's getting the keys from the, uh, what's it called? Um, the ballet. The ballet, uh, ballet. Ballet. I was thing. totally yeah. blanking on the word for it. <laughs> yeah. She, he's getting the keys from the ballet and uh, she's like, get my keys. It's the Prius with the little green ribbon on it. That doesn't help very much. Exactly. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Uh, and then they're looking for it. And uh, this actually helped me one time. I, I, I just watched the movie the night before, and I was on my way home from work trying to go to my car in the parking lot. And he says to her when she's looking for her car, hold it on your chin and it'll, it'll work better. Of course, it'll give you cancer, but it's worth it because you'll get your places faster. Uh, it actually is a fact that if you put your key fob under your chin that'll work better however sure? it, it won't you give you cancer really gu- no, are you really this was gullible? on the no this was on the imdb trivia so i could be gullible but if it's on the trivia then it's probably true there's no way i thought like <laughs> sebastian was straight up just telling me to get cancer yeah <laughs> <at that point. laughs> i think he's cracking a joke hopefully he's not telling her to get cancer but uh <laughs> that's what i heard it as she does it <laughs> i strongly suggest it Right, yeah. <laughs> um, then we get probably the best dance number. Yeah. 
dance wise. I think yeah, I think this this scene also it's it's not quite at nighttime, but it's at what they call the golden hour or right. magic hour. The magic hour, I think, which is like I forget. S- it's LA S- lingo, S- you know. Yeah, it's the <laughs> set where the sky is just like amazing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they recorded it. I think they had what four hours? No, not even four. Like two hours to record it in yeah. that amount of time. Exactly. Right. And I think, oh, I wrote this down somewhere. They had, yeah, um, it took eight takes and two days to shoot. Oh my goodness! Scene, which that was a that was a one take scene. Of yeah. The, um, of the hilltop, <laughs> the previous car scene of that choreographed dance and song, right? One take, six minutes, crazy. It's crazy. It's really crazy to think about, especially considering that's not a green screen, people. That is the real thing. Uh, <laughs> so I think, I think there's some there's some editing there for sure. I, I think I so. Too. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Filters. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Filters. But I mean, like it's actually that time when you're when they're filming it. So it's yeah. it's really cool because like the lights are lighting up. Mm-hmm. And you can find a lot of these clips on YouTube, and I really recommend. Like, even if, if you haven't seen the entire movie, watch the entire movie. But if you're that lazy, then you can just watch a <laughs> six-minute clip of just the Prius car scene. And that, that scene is awesome, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's really neat. It is awesome. And uh, the musicality of this scene, too. Uh, I, I love this song. It's just so much fun. And they're, like, kind of – this is, like, their love-hate song. Mm-hmm you know <laughs> yeah and i think i think this is also going back to like old school musicals and stuff and old school romance romantic uh movies definitely right there's always this kind of like teasing of this love hates right like these yeah. people obviously hate each other but there's more to it and especially in this scene it's they they say it in the song right that they sing yeah that everything around them is perfect for two lovers right it's right. beautiful right and then ryan gosling says that like it's a shame that where the two that the, you're the one with me here right? yeah <laughs> I wish it was someone else just like completely roasting mia right um and uh yeah i think that that's that's really cool everything around them is perfect but they don't want to be there but they don't <laughs> want to be there together exactly yeah. and i'm sure that they would want to be there with other people right like i'm sure that they that's like the perfect scenario if they weren't together right and i don't know how much of this is their actual feelings, because I think that this is when their feelings actually grow for each other, when they actually start to, you know, flirt yeah, no, with this, each other this, more. This shoots it off, for sure. Definitely, because then we see later, after this dance sequence, also tap shoes. They have tap shoes. This is really cool. Mm-hmm. During the song, as part of the choreography, Mia has to change her tap shoes from her high heels to her tap shoes. It's yeah. just so cool. Yeah, and I was I was reading about how they were choreographing, however you say that word, <laughs> how they were doing it, right? Um, and the uh, the the director of it said that like, oh, they both need to be in dance shoes for this to work because they kind of do this. If you watch it, they kind of copy each other and do this symmetrical foot movements on a bench, right? Which is yeah. super cool to watch. It's really satisfying. And everything <laughs> is timed so well with the music, and. Um, yeah, they have their little tap shoes, tap dancing shoes. And again, these two, Mia, uh, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, not very good dancers. As nope. so that's, <laughs> that's what I've heard, right? So, yeah. and they took, what was it? What did I say? Eight takes 
right? And I heard that when they got like the final take, there was just this massive round of applause from everyone that they were like, oh, that's perfect. Beautiful. I really feel like, I, I think that this was actually, that was the last scene that they filmed. This was the last scene that they actually filmed. That was the rap. Um, yeah. So I, I read also that Damien Chazelle was kind of just standing by the bench, just looking out onto the city and he didn't want to call it. But then the producer came up and said, hey man, you have to call the rap. But he just enjoyed being on the set so much. I don't know how much of that is just like a myth of like, Damien Chazelle is this crazy sentimental guy that, you know, he puts his heart and soul yeah. into the movie. I mean, he definitely does. But I don't know how much of this story is true. Balcony. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Contemplating life. Exactly. I mean, that seems like the kind of guy he is to be able yeah, to probably. come up with this story. Mm-hmm. And you wonder how much personal experience is in it, too. That's just. Yeah, for sure. And I think especially. Yeah, personal experience has got to be a huge thing. And I'm mm-hmm. sure for the actors, like the acting is so good. And I think it's almost it's really hard not to have a personal experience of some sort, either wanting to be uh, some sort of artist, right? Wanting to be some sort of musician and shooting for a dream, right? It's, it's really difficult. It's really hard to find someone who doesn't relate to this movie in some aspect, right? Either right. relate to it in that sense or like the romantic sense, right? I think it's, it's very interesting. It is for sure. Um, after this, she offers him a ride in her car to his car, right? He's like, oh, it's just up here. And then she drives mm-hmm. away and then he just walks in the same direction that she was going. And that's really sweet. Yeah, I think his, his car was on the complete like opposite side of the hill yeah. where her car was. Right. Exactly. That, that, that shows it that Sebastian had a, like he has that, it may, may seem like a jerk, right. Mm-hmm. Especially near the beginning, but he has that kind of gentleman vibe. Yeah, him. exactly. And, the, and he has the, I feel like he has the, you know, he feels the connection between them, right? But he's not acting on it. He's not letting himself act on it, I don't think. Mm-hmm. That's why yeah. he doesn't let himself get into the car. Yeah. And going back to the song of that scene, mm-hmm. right? It's it's so cool how it changes and progresses the entire song and the instrumentation I love. Like, do you have like just this, the double bass? And it's, if you listen to it, listen to the double bass. It's Gotcha. It, it gets you. It gets you. <laughs> And his whistling too. Uh, we don't see the whistling much. Yeah, I thought that uh, well, was a very cool yeah, addition. Definitely. And that's how City of Stars starts. Is that, because this goes right into City of Stars, right? The first time he sings it. Am uh, I right? I think so. I, I'm not sure. I know he sings it on the... On the dock. Yeah. Yeah, he sings it on the dock, but I don't know if he sings it there. I forget exactly the order, but it's confusing. It is confusing. Yeah. Um, Anyways, then I think, uh, so what, what actually does come next? Because City of Stars, and then they have to start dating somehow. I forget when they actually get going on that. Yeah, she goes, uh, Sebastian goes to the coffee shop and asks, um, yeah, Sebastian goes to the coffee shop and then uh, talks to Mia. You're right. And yes, they thank walk, you. They walk Warner Brothers Square together. Mm-hmm. And that's when we see... Cool. It is really cool uh, because then we see these directors shooting a film right there, you know, and then they're just having this conversation about where she used to live and her grandmother who used to watch these movies with her. And that's when her love for movies, of course, yeah. came to be and she really desired to be an actress. 
and yeah, this is this is really when you see the background of these two characters, right? Mm-hmm. And what makes them want to be who they want to be, right? Who they're dreaming to be. And you see that of Mia, right? Her love for being an actress. Right. And then you see Sebastian's love for jazz, right? jazz. and music. And I think that that's really cool. Yeah. And I wanted to point out that they're, they're walking by, right? And then they look into this soundstage and they see the set and this director, right? Later in the epilogue, uh, they come back to this. And, and we'll save that for the epilogue. I, I actually that's, never, I never noticed that. It's crazy. I know exactly what you're talking about. Wow. And I don't yeah. know what the significance behind that is, but it is really interesting that that's, because that's right out there is where he has the jazz talk with her. You mm-hmm. know, he's like, and, okay, why don't you like jazz? You know? Yeah, and that like, yeah, that's, that's very neat. And they're, they're looking at that set, at the back set, and then the thing closes, right? And then this conversation of jazz starts. Yeah, that's what happens. Yep. And then they obviously go to the jazz club. I love this scene. He is going off. Sebastian is just talking his head off to Mia. He's just like, look, see, trumpet's got it now. And the saxophone just took it over. And they're doing all of this without verbal communication. And that's the beauty of jazz. And it's dying. And nobody's listening to it. So yeah, Very strong points, Sebastian. Yeah, Sebastian, yeah. we feel for you, man. We love jazz. You like jazz? I had to say it. I'm sorry. Uh, you had to. I so then the jazz club happens and then we get the summer montage. Uh, well, actually, no, he invites her to the movie rebel without a cause. That's yeah. That's Monday, Monday night when they have Monday it. night at 10, right? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a really late time for a movie to start. Just saying that is well, like in a romantic musical, I don't know. That's, that's as expected late night Monday. I yeah. Guess. Okay. Well, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, so then she's getting ready uh, and and her boyfriend walks in. I always forget his name and I always forget that she actually has a boyfriend. Greg. At this point. Greg. Yeah. Thank you. What a jerk. I, I think I think it's Greg. I'm pretty Greg's sure. a jerk. Nice. Sure. Well, he's Greg. It's, sure. it's, like, it's some sort of basic name. So, sorry to any Gregs out there. Yeah, sorry, Greg. You have basic names. You're still loved. Yes, we love you, Gregs. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, I don't like this guy. This guy's just kind of like he doesn't get a signal nope. at all. And like he we don't take a clue. we don't know anything about him too. Like he's he's just a hateable guy just because you know Mia and Sebastian are perfect together. Right, <laughs> right. And like of course like Mia's at dinner and the guy is just talking over completely and she's not involved in the conversation. Right, but there's really nothing to hate about the guy. I think it's just you hate him just because you know Mia and Sebastian. I think so to too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, then she has to go to this dinner instead of make it to the movie. And this scene is awesome because we see Sebastian waiting outside, right? And all this talk's going on about the movie and how they're talking about this conversation is really lost because they're trying to focus on Mia, right? And I think that the, in the sound mixing, the conversation that the people at the dinner table are having is pushed back and the music on the loudspeakers, which is also another really interesting point that the movie makes about loudspeakers as opposed to live music. She, she uh, hears Mia and Sebastian's theme, right? She hears their theme and looks around for him, right? And then she sees the loudspeaker playing the music and that there's no live 
music there, which is really sad, but really true and really real. Yeah, and like she wants that live music and she immediately connects that song with Sebastian. Yeah. Right. And then thus um, she ditches the table, right? The dinner. She table. ditches the table. She says, I'm sorry, I can't do this. But again, sorry, I didn't, I jumped to the loudspeaker point. But they're talking about how trashy movie theaters are at the time. So the, the couple that Greg and me are having dinner with, you know, uh, they're just talking, they're trash, trash talking movie theaters, uh, which is, because then me is like, well, I'm actually about to go to one with this guy who actually enjoys movie theaters. So I can't do this. And then she runs off. And it's amazing. This is great. This, I don't have, I don't not have a smile on my face for the next 15 minutes of the movie here. Yeah. Because she finally gets there and she walks up to the front of the movie theater and Sebastian's just like, oh my gosh, she's here. She's here. She's actually here. And so she, he stands up and waves her over and she runs over. And then the movie starts. And <laughs> the romantic stuff at this part is just so strong. Because yeah, it's so sweet. It's very sweet. It's very sweet. Like everyone's dream. You know, if you want to talk about dreams, right <laughs> here, this is the dream, right? Uh, so they start holding hands and then they're about to kiss and then the film melts boom boom and then they get kicked off now i don't know how realistic this is because if it's a 10 p.m movie and they go to the planetarium after which is also my favorite dance sequence that's uh i think a lovely night stands out more but i think that the planetarium is just the one i would go to that's my go-to dance sequence for this movie yeah. especially when she turns on the stars. So they go to the planetarium that was in the movie that they were watching. And they just start dancing. And the music in this scene is just, this is the pinnacle, I think, of their relationship. Right here is, it's like right before the climax, before he meets uh, John Legend's character. Is it Keith? Is Keith yeah. his name? Keith. Keith. Mm -hmm. And some, something to say here, going back to, this movie being really fantastical, mm -hmm. right? They start flying. Like, what the <laughs> heck? They're dancing in space. And, like, it's just really romantic, right? And that's yeah. what the, the feeling can be, right? Dancing in just space. Mm -hmm. And they're doing that. And that's, it's, as you said, it's like the, it's the peak of their relationship, right? Everything's perfect. Everything's going to work out, right? They have each other. Right. And then it goes slowly but surely downhill from there. And it's actually kind of depressing how yeah. far it goes downhill here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then we get, after this, they finally kiss. And it's sweet. And uh, yay, kiss, kiss. Yay, yay, kiss, kiss. <laughs> I love how, like, maybe seven years ago, we'd be, ew, 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 they're kissing. But now we're all like, yes, this is the pinnacle of romantic. You know, it's just yes. everything romantic. Yes. <laughs> uh, but that really, because then the brass or like there's just swell that happens when they finally kiss. Uh, they, of course, they get lowered down uh, from the space or should I say raised up? Because fun fact, here we go. This scene oh, was shot in reverse. 
this scene was shot in reverse. Really? They started, they started with the black. They started with the black screen and then it zoomed out and they were kissing and they stopped kissing. And to give it the natural feel of them sitting down, they decided to lift them up instead of have the jolt when you sit, when you land on the ground from wires, you know? Yeah. They just raced up instead of this. So this, this shot was actually filmed backwards. Wow. That's really cool. I didn't know. It makes sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially how they go from sitting to like flying so smoothly instead of, you know, like what it would look like if it was shot Uh forwards, you know? Yeah. Uh, And then we move on to summer. Now summer is very fun. Summer is probably the most fun in this, uh, in this movie. I have a lot of fun with this because this is actually the climax of their relationship right before Keith. So we see their engagement party or or we see the, they see the couple get engaged. And um, so all this stuff's happening. This montage is great. And (laughs) of course, Sebastian's playing jazz for the lighthouse uh, jazz club. Uh, And so this scene where they're doing these quick turns from it's one take in, in the lighthouse jazz club where Sebastian's playing piano and Mia's dancing over there, you know, um, this is one take and Damien Chazelle is the director is actually sitting next to the cameraman tapping him when to switch between each one. Uh, there's, there's, yeah, you got to watch the video for this. There's a video for this. I'd say the behind the scenes for the cinematography on this one is incredible. It is truly amazing. Um, anyways, we move on from here. The summer montage fades into them just sitting at the lighthouse listening, you know, and enter John Legend to the ruin legend. everything. The legend, John Legend, to ruin everything. Uh, yep. Keith. Keith is here, and he's here to make a proposition. Yep. An offer well, Sebastian can't refuse. And this is, this is really interesting, right? Because you think about, was it a bad thing that Sebastian joined this? group right and i think this is a very interesting part because Mm -hmm. we get to see the perspective of both sebastian and mia again right and i don't know this is maybe going ahead of it but i'm going to talk no go ahead please do so um at first right mia there's this little interaction that mia and sebastian have right um, and uh, Sebastian says, yeah, this is a whole summer when they're living the high life together. They love each other. Mm-hmm. La-di-da. Then, um, and Mia comes up with the logo for Seb's, uh, Sebastian's uh, club, right? Which and- actually, it was Emma Stone's idea that Mia would be the one to come up with the logo. Oh, cool. Yeah, Emma Stone that. brought that to the table. I, yeah, I, I was just stalking the imdb nice. trivia for like an hour it, oh. it, it's it sucks you in man uh, um so and then there's this whole interaction of uh me and sebastian uh and then in one scene mia's on the phone with her mom right talking mm-hmm. about uh sebastian right so mia's like oh yeah he's a super nice guy and he's a musician and her mom's like oh a musician right typical right right um and then Sebastian's overhearing all this and they're talking about the club, right? Mia and her mom are talking about the club that Sebastian wants to start. And they're unsure about how he's going to get the money, right? And it's not very assuring, right, for Sebastian. And mm-hmm. it's 
that kind of hurts him, right? He's like, I really need to step up and get this stuff. So from his perspective, he hears all this as if um, that accepting the job offer from John Legend, from Keith, is what Mia wants, right? Right. What Mia wants. And especially when he's playing the music, right? Um, we can start a fire, right? Oh my gosh. Um, what a banger. By the oh, way, we're not... Yeah. We're supposed to enjoy it, but Sebastian's not supposed to, I don't think. Because yeah, it's not his right. kind of music. No. But like you see him with a smile on his face doing that, playing those songs, because he thinks that's what Mia wants mm-hmm. for him, right? To get this opportunity, to get money, and to start his club, right? But then things change. Yep. It, it, yeah, really fast too. Because <laughs> as soon as he goes on tour, that's when everything falls apart. Yeah. And before all that, um, I think we have the first rehearsal scene for both of them, actually. This is when their careers are kind of both getting off the ground because Emma, not, I almost said Emma, sorry. Mia has this, uh, she has her, her play, right? And she finishes it for Sebastian, right? Yeah, and then, one woman show, yeah. One woman show, that's right. Uh, and he says, everybody's going to love it. And then, uh, so that's when I think it transitions into the logo scene, right? And then, and then they get up to that. So that's when Mia gets her stuff off the ground. And then, then we get, when you were talking about the whole phone conversation with Mia and her mother, uh, we see it all from Sebastian's perspective. And here's where perspective comes into play again, because he's looking around the room right he sees the mold up in the corner and he's like she deserves better than this i need to step up my game that's when he decides to join keith and i think it's a straight cut right from there to him walking into the first rehearsal and so yeah and signing the contract him yeah it's crazy because he's basically selling away everything that he stood for for this girl you know yeah we talk about what cost but I think that Sebastian wasn't willing to pay the cost for his, for what he wanted, right? He didn't want to play the music that Keith wanted him to play. He, I mean, because Keith, of course, had the, the drum beat repeater thing. I don't know what it's called. It is a MIDI, isn't it? Yeah, drum Because he started, yeah, a drum pad. Yeah, 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 there we go. He started his drum pad automatically, and uh, they have this really interesting conversation he says, well, if everybody's focused on what's new, how are we going to get the message across to them that this is, that what's old is beautiful too, you know, because everybody's so focused on the whole hip hop kind of beat stuff that Keith is introducing to the jazz. But Sebastian's just worried about the classical traditionalist jazz, you know, yeah. changing with the time. And this is, this is really interesting. Um, what does it matter? What does it matter that you're abandoning your desires and your passions? You're adapting them for someone else. And I think Mia is so quick to not do that. Yeah. Of course, after that, they've, they've had the breakup before that. So, yeah. And I think that's a big thing, like that conversation between Keith and Sebastian, Mm -hmm. right. About uh, like old school music and no one wants to listen to that stuff anymore. All you're going to get is a bunch of old people 
right? You right. start a club and just play classic jazz, right? And like the sad case is that that's true. Yeah. Right. Like it's it's a hundred percent true, and um, people always want to be people always want to hear new stuff, right? right? And I think about something about jazz is that it's new every time, right? Every time, yeah. And that's that's really the main deal with jazz, right? And um, yeah, that's a very good point that Keith brings up. But like, of course, bringing all those like dubstep beats and stuff into jazz is debatable. But it's uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, then we get this. I, I I don't know if it transitions directly into start a fire because I know he gets the first thing and then he signs the contract and then uh, does it go right into the concert? Or do they sing City of Stars first? I think they sing City of Stars first. I think so too. The first time. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, which is really interesting because, uh, you know, we've seen him whistle it before and all that stuff. So he's, he's obviously got this tune in his head. And I believe that he's actually writing this song because then we hear it on the record player later. So I think that he's actually the one writing it if i'm not mistaken because i think so him and mia because then of course she chimes in and stuff so i i really do enjoy the fact that he's writing it and it's really from him uh so we also get uh their duet which is really sweet yeah Uh, like this song is it's a lot of people's favorite song right um and you'll just be listening whistling the the theme of the song and it's it gets stuck in your head definitely Um, yeah and it has a has a very it's almost it's a romantic tune right it's right um it's also kind of haunting in a way i agree right completely it's it's kind of haunting and mysterious right of like unsureness uh and i think that 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 really buys it in especially at the middle of the at the middle of the movie Mm -hmm. right i think that that's at that point of that we don't know where we're going to go from here, right? And really, like, the song is about that. City of Stars, Are You Shining Just For Me? Yeah. Right? And it's, like, this calling to Hollywood, basically. And really, all the songs add to that, right? I agree. Definitely. And I think this is the turning point song. This and Start a Fire, back-to-back, are the turning point songs. Because we see Mia and Sebastian. I think City of Stars is literally the climax of their relationship. Their little duet. That's it. That's when it's at its top point. That's when they're perfect for each other and everything. Then we go to this concert. And um, it's really interesting because Sebastian has this awesome synth solo. It's super cool. I actually, I smile every time. This song is such a bop. I love this song. Three, he's playing on three pianos. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. <laughs> and I love how it's like the, the third one, the synth is like a touch piano. It's not even like, he's not even pressing the keys, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those and cool. yeah, that little melody he does on the synth is just so fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I heard a lot of mixed things about this scene, right? Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's interesting. Because you, so you see... Sebastian is up there, right? He may not be liking the music completely, but he's playing it because he thinks that that's what Mia wants for him, right? Yep. 
And um, a lot of people don't like this scene because Mia, when it uh, when the concert kind of blows up, right? Yeah. And everyone's bopping, right? Mia is like almost disgusted. Right. She's backing up. She's right? like, you you see her backing up as if like, and especially when Sebastian's doing his solo, right? It's almost as if like I don't know, Sebastian's beating up an old person or up on stage. Yeah, that's, I mean, kind of graphic, but like, yeah. <laughs> That's what that's what Mia that's what she looks like, right? Her jaw is kind of dropped and she's backing off. Right. Right. And a lot of people don't like this scene because of that. And it's like, how can like he's playing a sick solo, right? And right. No matter and I guess from Mia's perspective, um, she was she didn't like jazz before, right? And I think this right. is important to recognize. But Sebastian made her like jazz. Right? Exactly. Through telling her the core and the roots of jazz and john coltrane and all, all Miles and really really especially like the key of it is just because he loves it she loves it because he loves it mm-hmm. yeah so i think when like i personally like the scene i don't have a problem with it oh i, I, I do too was, yeah i have I a different was, take on it though yeah I, I'll, I'll let you speak in a second i thought yeah, it was interesting <laughs> i thought it was interesting how people dislike it right mm-hmm. um and especially yeah mia seeing sebastian and seeing and knowing that this is music that Sebastian doesn't like, right? Right. But he's playing it like he likes it because he knows Mia likes it, right? So it's that kind of circle. Yeah, it's really interesting because she's seeing him abandon his values, abandon what he what he loved, his passion, you know? So he, he's really doing this for her in love. And I think that he might love it. <laughs> it's like, it really is the circle because I think now he loves it because she loves it. And he's doing it because she wants him to do it, or at least he thinks so. So I think that it is really this weird miscommunication, this weird reading into things that Sebastian does with the phone conversation with her and her mom. But I think that it's necessary for his success later on. Um, So after this scene, uh, they go on tour and everything. And I think my favorite scene is 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 next because they're on tour and isn't it is it's fall now right because they just finished summer and now it's back to fall right he's on tour so So, uh she comes home she's been calling him but he's not answering and so she comes home and there he is cooking dinner she hears the radio on you know (laughs) and like surprise (laughs) you know i love i love that little line because you know, then she runs into his arms and they have dinner. It, it, this is such a natural scene. Um, I got to send you, or you have to watch the, the scene. It, it shows the script, the written script on the bottom part. And it shows the, the actual finished product on the top. And it's so different. Their improv- improvisation makes it so real. They're acting and their little added lines makes it so much better than what it would have been. Um, you can find that on YouTube or anywhere. It like shows what's that. in the screenplay. Yeah, it's great. But I think what's, this is, I think, the pinnacle. This is the pinnacle moment of the epilogue. This makes the epilogue what it is. And I think everything so far has pretty much lined up with what the epilogue showed, right? Maybe not in the chronology that it happened. But um, 
this is when in the epilogue things start to change right this is when things go differently than they had uh i could totally be mistaken but i believe so Mm -hmm. so then we see this argument scene and it's it's actually heartbreaking like to me because i was rooting for them so hard i was like oh my gosh this is great yeah you you ship the two of them completely completely and as actors emma stone and ryan gosling are really good and they have very good chemistry i completely agree they they just shine in this movie and when you see them fighting and in her saying why why are you doing this i thought i thought that you loved jazz and he says i do love jazz but i'm doing it for you mm-hmm. you know i'm you know i'm playing in this band for you i thought this is what you wanted and she says, no, I wanted you to be happy. I love jazz because you love jazz. Yeah. This is the pinnacle of everything that it is. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's, yeah, it's really shattering too. Cause like yeah. you see, you totally understand that Mia and Sebastian's perspective, right? Yeah, Each completely. Right. And if you were in Mia's shoes, you'd think the same thing about Sebastian. If you were in Sebastian's shoes, you'd think the same thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Completely. Um, and then, and then he says, maybe you just, uh, I, I forget the line exactly, but maybe you just liked me better because I made you feel better when you were down and out, you know, when, when you were broke and stuff like that. And, and she says, are you kidding? And he said, no. It, it's just like in Goodwill Hunting when Will says to Skylar, I don't love you. It's just, it's just as heartbreaking. You can have all this profanity or like you can cuss each other out. And I know a lot of movies do that with arguments, especially, but I think that these hard hitters with little to no cursing, you know, it really hits harder than, you know, it's more profane than all these words that you could say to someone, right. Telling someone that you just, they just valued you because you made them feel better about themselves because you know it, it's just really sad to me yeah um did you have anything you wanted to say about the argument scene here um yeah it's just it's heartbreaking and like you you really see the two of them get built up and then just kind of tumble down and mm-hmm. it's really not anybody's fault too no right um at this point it's not like anyone's to pl- blame right they're blaming each other right um mm-hmm. But yeah. So after this, the smoke detector goes off. And I, I normally mute this part because my dogs go crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will not stop barking. The smoke detector, they let it go on for so long in the movie. It's really long. Yeah. It like hurts. I remember my, my, uh, my dad walked in. <laughs> like, What's going on? Just hearing this blaring, just beeping. Yeah. That was funny. Yeah. It's it's it, they let it play out for so long but i think it's to the effect because then mia just leaves sebastian's you know getting the dinner out of the oven or whatever was in there he's getting it out of there and she just leaves and then we get the someone in the crowd bridge playing while she drives home you know mm-hmm. which is just really heartbreaking the dun dun da 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 dun and then you realize that it's sebastian playing at the engagement party for the people that they met in the summer montage yeah, so, and really throughout the entire movie, how they connect, like if you really listen to the music, 
right? And I think you have to you have to watch this movie just once through without paying attention to the entire thing, but you have to watch it again just listening to the music. Yeah. Right. And, and the motifs. And listening to the motifs. And you hear everything connects. Mm-hmm. Like they get one song, like near the end, right? They get one song and they have all these tiny themes from all the other songs that they have. Right. And like you hear these little things. Oh, I remember that song. Right. And it's it's really cool. Give give the music a solid listen. For real. Um I think they have two different albums for this. They have the the song one, like the lyrical one, and then they also have the score, which is really cool because if you listen to the score, then you hear all these little things that you wouldn't hear normally because it's usually tucked into the back. I think that we, somewhere in here, Mia has to perform or play. And I think it was during when he's, because he's just a photo shoot, right? We missed this part, I think. In between, uh, in between this, you know, the start of fire part and, the argument did we because she leaves to go to her parents after that but then we have the photo shoot and her play for yeah. one woman show in between so we skipped over yeah. that but we'll, we'll mm-hmm. go back really briefly on that yeah um so she goes on at the same time as he's playing piano for these guys right he's doing the photo shoot and it really is self-indulgent and it really is kind of sad to see him not even like standing up to Keith to say, Hey man, look, I, it doesn't work for me tonight. Cause Keith totally gives him the opportunity to say, Oh, sorry. No, I, I'm, I'm busy. He's like, you're good for tonight. Right. And he's like, what's tonight? And the photo shoot He's like, Oh, Oh yeah. Right. I'm good. Instead of like saying, no, my, like my girlfriend's play is tonight. She's debuting in her written directed and starring, you know, play. No. Yeah. Like if we're going to talk about, someone to blame in this relationship it's probably sebastian for making this it's keith yeah or keith Keith is the downfall complete downfall and i guess it is this kind of shows that i guess sebastian like not that he doesn't love mia right he's always loved mia Mm -hmm. but i think it kind of shows his uh i guess doubts in the relationship right Right. or like what he's doing right with this uh with this band with keith is almost more important and he tries he cuts it close right with coming to mia's uh but she he misses it completely and that that's kind of yikes. yeah <laughs> it, yeah it, like because then he's out there this is after the argument it's got to be right i think so yeah so we okay we, we were right sorry mm-hmm. because then she storms off then she's like oh i'm going to my parents yeah that's when she goes away because she can't yeah, take right it now. anymore Mm-hmm. so we were right good job us yeah we did it good job um <laughs> so then they meet in the in the uh the outside he's waiting for her to come out and he's like oh i'm so sorry i, I don't buy it from sebastian this part he should have been there he really should have been there yeah it's completely his fault like, for missing come on, it come on dude completely his fault and i really loathe him for it and that could be actually the downfall, but also the almost the rising up for me as power, for me as fame, you know, the fact that he missed it really did kind of lead to her getting somewhere. Right. Because we realized later, so she goes to her parents' house and uh, then, you know, uh, she's there and she's sitting at the dinner table and then you hear the long honk. And when I heard that, my face lit up. I was like, oh my gosh, she's here. 
he's here because because we see him get a phone call from someone and say no she's not she's not here you know she i can transfer a message if you'd like and we realize that it's like her agent or someone who is in the in the audience at her play Mm -hmm. uh literally someone in the crowd (laughs) you know there you go so there you go the song kind of spoiled it for you (laughs) yep uh but then he does the long honk and she goes out there. We see the neighbor yelling at Sebastian because he's doing the honk thing. He's like, what? Yeah, that's, that's, a whole, that's a funny interaction. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then she goes out there and he says, and he starts screaming at her. I love this scene because he's kind of come into his senses. And after she gives up, she's like, maybe I'm not good enough. And he says, but you are. And she says, but what if I'm not? He says, but you are. Well, I'm really not. It's really, it's really sad because kind of him missing it kind of took down her confidence a little bit, I think. And when he's here telling her, look, this person was here. We can go do this. You know, she, she was there. She saw you do it. She wants you for this role. You got to come do it. You know, I yeah. think that's when he's like, 8 a.m. I'll be outside. And you better be here. Mm-hmm. You know, so then he shows up. And then did you have anything you want to say about this part here? No, not really. Yeah. It just kind of shows that Sebastian's still like, he's not a, a complete jerk, right? Like right. he is a jerk for missing her one woman show. Right. But he still cares about her. Completely. Mm-hmm. I think anyways, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, then he pulls up and then in the morning, uh, she's, she's late. He kind of starts to drive away and she's like, what? Wait, wait, I was grabbing coffee. And he's like, Oh, okay. So then they go back and, this is basically the end of the third act of the movie. Basically, if there wasn't an epilogue, this is where it would end. Her going out of her audition and hugging Sebastian, you know, the end. Yeah. Because then we're like, oh, okay. So she was successful and they obviously ended up together because they forgave each other. Mm-hmm. But then it goes on and you're like, oh, it's not over yet. Yeah, it scares you. But let's talk about this audition here. This is, this is key. This is incredible from Emma Stone. And this is actually really interesting. They wanted it recorded live on set instead of recording it in the studio and then syncing it on set. So what actually happened was Emma Stone had an earpiece with the composer, Justin Hurwitz, playing in a different room. And it was connected and it was all live. And so she sang along to the piano, the live piano accompaniment to the song. And wow, I mean, because you really need that transition from talking into singing that she does when they tell her, Oh, just tell us a story, you know? Yeah. It's kind of weird at first. Cause like, she's just speaking and then like, uh, I forget. Uh, like she says just one word. I forget the exact word, but like she says one word in kind of a, a weird tone. And you're like, well, she said that kind of weirdly. And then she starts singing and you're like, Oh, okay. Exactly. I thought, I thought that was funny, but I didn't realize that they did that live. Yeah, it is crazy. I think that's the one the one song in this soundtrack that was recorded live that's because very impressive. it's very impressive. Emma Stone this is when she sells me. This is when she sells it to me. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, okay, mm-hmm. she's actually perfect." Like this is this is totally how she got the Oscar. Was from this scene. Definitely. Oh my gosh. 100%. Completely. Completely. I love this scene so much. And so it's it's just so empowering, I think, to everyone. 
Like it's okay to dream. You can dream. You don't have to, you can do what you want to do without, you know, going crazy, you know? I mean, you can't obviously be a superhero, right? Yeah. I mean, you could, but. <laughs> okay. um, and again, this is one of those songs that just like, basically Damien Chazelle just told Emma Stone, like, Hey, it described like the entire movie in five minutes yep. without only with only moving your face, right? And she does that perfectly. Yeah, right. And we get Standing the spotlight still, again. Only moves her face. We have the spotlight again, right? And uh, just to to quote a song, uh, uh, the song, right? Um, yeah, here's to the ones who dream, foolish as they may seem, right? And mm-hmm. it's the whole thing of dreaming and shooting for it and that's really what the entire movie is about and in all the songs there's references to that right exactly um, it's it's a completely amazing song her performance it's just almost tear-jerking because like to me what i want to do for you know my career i want to write movies and stuff right it's it's a big dream you know yeah it takes a lot. I mean, and seeing this movie, you know, you, you're dreaming. And it, it tells you, look, these things are hard. And, and like opportunities come up and opportunities go down. And I think this is really the message of the movie. But sacrifices are going to have to be made. And at the end of the day, um, the sacrifices that you make, end up or the like the experiences that you gain through your life you know it really pays off in the end um especially in the epilogue we see that because i don't think either of them would be where they end up if it weren't for each other you know which is so key Mm -hmm. um i kind of want to move into the the conversation on the bench before the time jump um, did you have anything else you wanted to say about the audition scene? Not really. Just it's amazing scene. It's I amazing think it's scene. Yeah. the definition of a perfect scene, and it's only Emma Stone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> perfect scene. <laughs> it, perfect, absolutely. She goes out and tells Sebastian how well it went, and they say, "So where are we?" This is the conversation on the bench after. They're like in the park, <laughs> and then <laughs> she says, "No, where are we?" You know, and then he says, well, I don't know. I mean, this is taking you to Paris. I'm trying to stay here and start my club. So if you actually go to Paris, I'm, I can't come. I'm going to be here, right? So it, it shows that Sebastian now doesn't want to take the leap where he would have earlier for her, right? But since this argument happened, since he realized this is what needs to happen for me to get my club, to get my dream, it's really sad how they're dreams kind of end up tearing them apart yeah did you have anything you wanted to say about the park scene before they split up and go to the time jump not really yeah it's a kind of sad dialogue but funny too like they they remark on the view and look at this view right it sucks (laughs) it sucks yeah a call back to the lovely night you know yeah exactly oh man yeah are they so actually i don't remember i i'm just wondering now is that the bench that they were on for lovely night are they sitting on that bench? I'm not is sure. Is that where they are? 
It might be. I think it's a different bench. Probably. It'd be cool if they were there. I think. I don't remember. They don't show any sweeping shots either. They don't show any wide angles. It's all close up, you know. So then I was I was kind of shocked by this. We get the five years later. This is like the end game, you know, five years later thing. (laughs) And it's it's really sad because we're back in winter now. And the first thing we get is Emma Stone, Warner Brothers studio. And she walks into the coffee shop. We're following behind her. And she does the exact same thing that the lady in the beginning did to her. Which is really, like, actually really sad, I think. Yeah. Like, because it's sad. See, it's also cool, right? Because she, like... Right. Her dream has been achieved. Place. She made it to the place she wanted to make it to. Like, not exactly. really how she wants it. Like, yeah. Not really how she wants it to get there, but she made it there. Right. Exactly. Her goal has been achieved. And then we see what it costs later on. So she gets the coffee, right? And then uh, she goes home, I think, right? And then she meets her husband, who surprisingly is not Greg. It's not Greg, no. I'm glad it's not Greg. Greg does not deserve uh, Mia. Nah. Greg is a jerk. No way. We don't like Greg. This guy's guy's also a jerk. I agree. But only because he's (laughs) preventing Mia from being with Sebastian again exactly like they could have gone a totally different way where she's still single and then she finds sebastian with his club you know and then they get back together but i really enjoy how they did it here no no no, this is a good yeah this is a good ending uh Mm -hmm. do you want to talk about the controversy between the ending we'll we'll try to get that let's try to explain the epilogue first actually just because then we can see where some of the criticism might come from um she has a daughter (laughs) with this guy now and uh so um then she gets a babysitter and they go out for her premiere movie meanwhile sebastian is at his club setting up uh we don't see the logo quite yet we don't see that until mia walks into the actual shop i don't think or into the actual club but um so they get stuck in traffic and i was like okay this movie where is this going so i was like okay are they going to get in a car accident and she's going to like die or something. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is totally where this movie's going from. Because I always heard people talking about how bad the ending was or how people yeah. didn't like the ending. I was like, oh, is it because somebody died? And so mm-hmm. go ahead. Yeah. And at this point in the movie, it's, you don't know, you have no idea how it's going to end. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and you're almost hating the movie, right. Just because it's like, you are hating the movie because yeah. <laughs> the perfect couple just gets disbanded and now they're successful on their own without each other right yeah and that's like what does it cost i mean their relationship they're not together because their their dream took them in separate ways and i really think that's a good message to send um to be honest you know how there are sacrifices that are going to have to be made uh if you want to succeed um so they decide to just go to dinner instead of uh, waiting in line in the traffic to go to her premiere. She can see it in New York or whatever. I think that's a line that she says. And after dinner, they're walking back to their car and then they decide to go into the club. And then she walks in and shining on her face is the neon sign that she designed and it's Seb's. And the look on her face, uh, that's another best actress moment right there. That sells it, to be honest. 
it's yeah, that that entire scene how like she's acting there you can just see the awe right and her reliving everything right and exactly. that's what it comes down to when they listen to that song literally when they hear their theme mm-hmm. um so at first sebastian isn't playing on the stage we just know that it's his place and we saw him in it earlier but then after the song finishes they they sit down her and her husband and then sebastian comes up to the stage and that's when their eyes meet he introduces all the people playing and their eyes meet and the look it, it, there's so much just uneasy silence that goes on i believe there's like 30 seconds in between when he stands up to the microphone finishes introducing everybody and then decides to sit down at the piano there's like a solid 15 seconds zooming in on his face or not zooming in but you know closing in on it very close up to it and then 15 seconds on her reaction then he sits down just waiting to find out what to play and that's another long silence take you know mm-hmm. and then he finally just does the notes you know the same thing that drew her in in the first place to his to the club that he was playing at yeah and, and yeah this i'm just gonna jump in there go right ahead this epilogue like a lot of people hate this ending right a lot of people hate this ending. I don't know why, to be honest. And Do you know uh, why? I, I, I totally see why. Just because um, for a musical, um, it's just not satisfying for a lot of people, right? Because mm-hmm. And I, I, we're really used to um, movies being buttered up, right? And having Definitely. a happy ending, right? Um, guy kisses girl, yay, the end, roll credits, right? Yeah. And we're so used to that. And a lot of those stories, like, they're great and all, but they're not very real. And I think what's amazing about this one is that this, it, this is pretty real, right? And I this agree. is what happens, right? So in this one song, right, in really those, just those couple of first notes that he plays, right, um, they relive, basically, their entire relationship, mm-hmm. right? but relive it in an alternate universe, I guess. Right, right? what might have been. An alternate path, right? What might have been, right? We can talk about dreams. Yeah, and the spotlight again. This is the final time we get the spotlight with uh, it going on Sebastian first and then the lights dial down and we just see Mia there in the crowd instead. And this is their own world. We realize they're back where they were when he's playing at the club at first where he gets fired we they're back where they were when uh, they're dancing at the planetarium they're in their own world and i wonder if they're having these thoughts at the same time i don't exactly know whose perspective this is coming from is this from mia or is this from sebastian or is it from both at the same time yeah. i think it'd be interesting to see I, go ahead I, I would like to think that from him playing that song it's both of their mm-hmm. they're both thinking about this right and they're thinking together like te- telepathy almost yeah right and um I think that you can have that type of emotional attachment that like, it's kind of scary to say it goes that far, but I think it totally can. Yeah. Right. And they just relive it. And one thing I'm going to make a point to about um, that I thought was very interesting. Mia wears very colorful things throughout the entire movie, mm-hmm. right? Except for this ending, she's wearing right. a black dress and in the flashbacks and stuff, she's wearing some colorful stuff. But after the points of where we have not seen like they're, fantasizing about their relationship right and they're in paris right sebastian and mia while the song is playing right 
um, of the alternate universe. Uh, I'm just going to call it that. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, Mia's wearing a white dress, right? And the first time you see this very monochrome colors. Right. right? And I think that, that kind of shows Mia's maturity and her moving forward from her past. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so then we actually get into the epilogue. They go into their thing. So what's really interesting to note is the chronology of stuff that happens here. So Sebastian plays their theme and then it, it closes in on Sebastian with the spotlight again. And then the lights come up, except this time they're in the club where he, they first technically first met, you know, uh, where he was playing the Christmas stuff and uh, all that stuff. He plays at a bunch of different clubs. Um, then they switch their summer house. It goes to the summer aspect uh, when they're already together. And then uh, right around then, the song switches from their theme to Another Day of Sun, uh, which is the first song, of course. And that's when everybody in the restaurant is snapping, in the club is snapping. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's super catchy. And then J.K. Simmons gets the little snapping part. I love it. Yeah, I love, I love they it. Just, they just come out with like the biggest grin on their face. Mm -hmm. and just exactly. Really it's so awesome. It's so typical, but it's, it's cute. It's awesome. This is when you're like almost crying because you're like, oh my gosh. I mean, everything's so happy after this like dreary kind of like the argument from the argument on, it's really kind of just kind of sad. You're like, where are these people? I mean, they're not going to end up together probably. Yeah. Or they might, and you always still have this hope, but then you realize exactly. that they, they don't. Um, then it goes to Mia, Mia's play. She's doing her play, except this time the house is full. It's a full house and Sebastian's in the audience clapping the loudest. They, they rejoice in the backstage and then the song transitions to someone in the crowd when they walk out onto the, so onto the soundstage they saw earlier. So this is when they go back to and the colors in this scene, too, if you want to talk about colors. In this scene, it's, it's awesome as well. Um, anyways, they go to there. And then from there, we go to Mia's audition with the, the audition song, Here's to the Ones Who Dream. And then... Uh, it goes well, and then we see their life lived out in Paris. And then, uh, did you have anything you to say? Because we're like about halfway through the epilogue at this point. Yeah, no, um, really throughout the, yeah, that entire epilogue, or the beginning of it, it's just reliving their relationship, but at an extreme, right? At the mm -hmm. happiest it could have been. Exactly. Right? More than More than happy, right? Just... It's right. really fantastical too. And Definitely, this is a dream. Really, it gives you the musical ending that people would want, right? Uh -huh. It's showing you what yeah it completely what you, teases you, right? Yeah, it's, it's just like ha ha ha. This, they this isn't had what this. happened, yeah. right? And it's it's awesome because then it goes on to um, after their life in Paris, we get this awesome jazz club scene. The trumpet hits like the highest note I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm aspiring to that. If I never, if I ever do anything in my life. I'm going to hit that note one day. Yeah, uh, that, that, that trumpet gives me the chills every it's time. It's crazy. And it just goes into the trumpet it's bell. Amazing. It goes straight down to it. Uh -huh. And then they're, they're back in Paris. Um, anyways, then it goes into City of Stars. It transitions to City of Stars. They sit down in this movie theater, you know, kind of weird. And they've got the projector going. And it's going through their life with children. They have a, they have a son. Ah! <laughs> uh! Ah, <laughs> it's so amazing just to see them look they've got a son 
like all this stuff that you want them to have, you, they don't have it yeah. all because of a successful audition or because of successful touring with a band, you know? Yep. And it, it really is sad how their dreams kind of took away their romance. I wonder what comes first ultimately what uh, what do you think would you yeah, I, follow your I, dream over the romance I, or like? honestly oh, <laughs> I, I i wouldn't say that their dreams took away their romance right i think their romance was always there right gotcha um but i would argue that to make those dreams happen right it's a long process and you go through a lot of things and things aren't going to turn the way you want them to go Right, and I, I still think that Sebastian still loves Mia. And, and, oh, oh yeah, because he's not taken. Right? Totally, we see right? his home life too. He's not taken. Yeah, and I think that the the issue is that just life really just comes at you at ways you're not going to expect it. Yeah, and there are going to be things that are going to happen that you're not going to like, but those things are going to bring you up to new opportunities, right? And like it's it just be like that right it's just be like that, that honestly at the end of this movie that's that's what i say right it's just be like that right as sad as it is as you wipe away your tears you're like <laughs> exactly it, it do it do be uh, like that and yeah and it's just and it wasn't anyone's faults in specific right i wouldn't i maybe a little bit on sebastian but <laughs> it like there's you can't really blame either of them mia or sebastian right, right? they both had a dream that they wanted and they shot for it and went gave their all right um but just it didn't work out right and that's that's what it comes down to it it, yeah and it's really just sad that we see mia with this guy and you wonder well did they meet in paris did they meet in america did she come back because she obviously has a house here she she's like doing business around here why aren't her and sebastian like I mean, five years, a lot happens in five years. I just kind of wonder what happened in those five years. Yeah. Like, how did they not interact in between that time? Or did they even, you know? No, I doubt I doubt they did. That was the first interaction they had, I'm sure, mm-hmm. at Seb's, right? And um, yeah, I'm sure like she just married some other actor, right? Yeah. Um, and just life went on for them, right? And they each did their own thing. Yep. It right? do be like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh so after that uh then we we come out of the epilogue and uh it's just silent you know the spotlights come up and and we see the reactions i think mia has like tears in her eyes or like she's just kind of just sitting there with her jaw open and then her husband asks her hey do you want to stay for one more and there's like this there's this look in her eye when she's almost like, yeah, let's, let's stay. Just stay the entire time. But she's like, her, her reason takes over. She's like, no, I'm married. This is my life now. Mm-hmm. That's what could have been. That's what might have been. Yeah. That's not what is. And I feel like Sebastian has no choice. Sebastian probably would want to, you know, try to live out what he just thought of or what was just going on through his head. He probably would want to. And I think that's when he has to stay at the club because it's his club. He's got to play, yeah. you know? And, and so you go I, ahead. I really think the two of them know, they know that they're not going to work out. Right. And it's right. just how their life is going. It's going in a direction that 
just doesn't calls them doesn't call them to be together right right and um yeah yeah it's i think it's really sad and i think that the best shot in this epilogue is when you know she's she's walking out and then she just looks behind her and catches sebastian's eyes and they just kind of sebastian gives like this half smile this ryan gosling smirk you know Mm -hmm. and it's it's like it's like a gut punch man because then she kind of does this little coy little eye turn you know and like she almost smirks you know but then she decides to walk out and follow her husband and i think i think that that point of the movie like that's it that's it that that's just they both acknowledge Mm -hmm. they both acknowledge each other and i think that that's a very key thing right it's not that they forgot about each other and just like screw you and then yeah (laughs) off with their life right but they both knew that they brought each other up right right? without each other they wouldn't have the opportunities that they would have gained um that made them be in the place that they are now at that point in the movie right? right um so just that acknowledgement i think uh yeah it's just it'd be like that yeah it, it do be like that man and i think it's 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 super hard to just know that because they had been together like they they wouldn't have gotten where they were if it weren't for their relationship you know i'm trying i'm i'm trying hard to like articulate what i'm trying to say here just cuz there's so much you could say but i want to say the right thing you know and not like <laughs> yeah um, I almost get unfulfilled by this ending. I'm almost like, oh, you know, but then I'm like, no, this is, this is yeah. it. No. And like the, the point, the ending is meant to be, it's not satisfying. The ending is not satisfying whatsoever. That right. doesn't mean it's a bad ending. Right. Like I think overall the movie teaches pretty decent morals. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, that this ending, it's, probably the most real ending that i've seen for a movie um, i agree uh like i'm not a huge i probably should have said this at the beginning i'm not a huge <laughs> movie person right i enjoy right. watching movies very much i don't know all my actors and all that stuff but um this movie stood out for me i thought it was very cool what it said about music and um yeah it's 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 not a satisfying ending not at all right you it's can't not supposed that. to be i don't you can't think. say yeah it's not supposed to be it just leaves you at that kind of jaw dropping that kind of aching in your heart right that for real dang like it could have been that way and it would have been so sweet and live that happily ever after but nah yeah it, it, it it's yeah. so so real mm-hmm. uh did you have anything else you wanted to say about that no anything else about the movie as a whole um well about whole i think that the very key things to recognize about the movie is that yeah your dreams and your passion and what you love to do. And I think that this really emphasizes uh, one's passions, this movie uh, for like Sebastian, mm-hmm. how much she loves jazz and how much she loves playing it and like his description of it. And he wants to go somewhere with it in life. Right. Right. Um, and all the songs, just all the lyrics of the songs basically just say that. Right. And wanting to become an aspiring, uh, wanting to become an actress, right? That's a huge thing, right? It's, a, it's not, it's an unreal thing to yeah. want, 
right? But if you shoot for it, you might get it, right? Yeah, it seems like it's so out of reach, you know? Mm-hmm. We think about these actors and actresses who, like in the real world, you know, who are kind of above what we deem reality, you know? Yeah. I think that's actually the power that movies can have. You see people on a big screen. When you see people whose faces are like 30 feet tall, it's probably an exaggeration, but you know what I mean? You know what I mean? When you see people on the big screen, on the silver screen, the technicolor world, you know, that's when, that's like where it's manifested that these people are, and this movie makes a good point of it, that these people are real and these people have struggles as well and that it's not all perfect. And I think that's something to say, especially it almost combats old musicals, you know, Mm -hmm. by saying, okay, well, you know, all these happy endings are not realistic, right? That's not, so I think that's where it differs from the old movies. As much as it pays homage to them, that's where it goes off um, and says its own message and has its own message. And it goes to Keith's point that, well, if all the youth are over there, where that's supposed to be, well, how are you going to get your message out? How are you going to get it spread around? How are you going to make it popular, right? Uh-huh. So when the youth are on these action movies, big blockbusters and stuff like that, where's, how do you have a musical by making it so real and so accessible in the real world? Uh, when you have all these real characters that are so real to you, like Captain America, who is just out of reach, he seems like you could be him, right? Uh, that's another kind of a dream, you know? Yeah. But um, I think that this movie is working to achieve that for musicals. And uh, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, (laughs) I want you to go through and I want you to give me your favorite character, favorite scene and favorite song. And the favorite scene and song can be a, they can be the same thing, but I just want to hear it. Oh man. Favorite character. Uh, It's hard to say favorite character because like, it's really a focus on me and Sebastian. Like you I agree. Really get that much. Like you get probably Keith is up there. Um, you don't really see that much. Yeah. It's not a huge cast. It's not a huge, like, and at least there's, it's a massive cast. Right. But it's just like, well, yeah, not, yeah. <laughs> not main characters. Right. right. Um, I, I honestly really like Mia as a, as a person. Right. And that struggle of just, having a kickstart right and writing a one-woman show and going for that that's a really hard thing and wanting to make yourself look good right right um and like it with a job like that that's that's what it comes down to right making people like you exactly um yeah she's she's probably yeah like again it's hard to say like ryan gosling sick sick character (laughs) sick character um they're both really everyone's just very lovable in this i agree in this movie favorite scene yeah for sure favorite scene has got to be probably the uh the prius car scene right where they're having on the bench the little uh tap dancing choreography i really like that scene a lot um that one and uh the uh party scene late night mm-hmm. at the beginning someone in the crowd oh yeah yeah 
Um, and then song, probably someone in the crowd. Favorite song, really? I yeah, I I really like City of Stars. Yeah, I, I thought you were gonna go for that stuck one. Stuck with me. Yeah, that's like the typical to go with. So I'm just trying to spice it up a bit and say <laughs> someone yeah, in the crowd. I, yeah, I'm actually going to go backwards here. I actually do agree with you. Someone in the crowd is probably my favorite song. I just love that. You know, it's just. Just that kind <clears throat> of just driving flutes that just gets you going. And it's so I, much fun to listen to. Another Day of Sun, honestly, has got a tie for me. It's so hard. Someone it's so crowd. hard to pick a favorite. It's there. They're really good songs. And all those songs just tie in so well together. Right. Right. They're all pretty different. Right. But they all have these little motifs and that all add together and just make the movie as a whole and serves the plot very well. Exactly. And then my favorite scene. Um, I like the argument scene just because I think the acting is best then. Yeah. Um, I hate the scene, but I love it at the same time. You know, <laughs> the craftsmanship of it. And then all the montage scenes, those two are grouped in there. Um, and then favorite character. Uh, oh, man. It's, it's really hard. Like the, the J.K. Simmons fan in me wants to say J.K. Simmons character, but he's got not enough time to be. But like the only like 10 seconds that he's in. <laughs> exactly. Um, but Sebastian. Sebastian's my favorite. Like his expressions without saying stuff, you know especially because he gets a lot of scenes where the camera's just looking at him and he's not necessarily saying anything, but he's like with the phone conversation or towards the end. I mean, Mia has a lot of these times too, but um, I can really relate with Sebastian. Sebastian's really, yeah. I think almost more real than Mia to Mia me. In a way. Yeah. That, I, that's understandable. And yeah, going back to Ryan Gosling is like just, without saying anything he can mm -hmm. tell so much right especially in that phone scene you could like completely see what he was thinking yeah right and um yeah just the acting flawless Very i know good. i don't know i think he did not get he was nominated for best actor but he lost it he lost i don't it. know to who yeah he didn't get it yeah um but he was nominated huh. so yeah and it's really cool because yeah best actor in a leading role 2016 La La Land. Nice. Yeah, it's crazy, man. He's great. He's he's also in his prime, so I'd love to see where he's going. He was great in First Man, too. If you ever get a chance, please do watch First Man. Yeah, I'm going to watch that for sure. Amazing. I'll let you borrow it sometime. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> All right. Uh, quick movie news. Uh, so the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness cast has been kind of updated. It's really weird. So first off, we don't even have the title character first in line. It's, it's the Scarlet Witch. It's Wanda Maximoff. It's Elizabeth Olsen. She's first. And then it's Doctor Strange. And then we got Chiwetel Ejiofor. I'm butchering his name for sure. Uh, as Mordo. He's right there. Third. And then we've got uh, Benedict Wong playing Wong. And then this is when it gets so interesting. Toby Maguire is the fifth build name in the cast. Now this is just on Google. So it's it's fallible, but it's really interesting. Um, let me see what IMDb has to say. But then after, uh, after yeah, so after uh, Tobey Maguire comes Andrew Garfield. And then um, after Andrew Garfield comes Ryan Reynolds. So Andrew Garfield played the amazing Spider-Man. And as you know, Tobey Maguire played the first Spider-Man. And Ryan Reynolds played, played Deadpool. 
um, this is crazy because if you think about the multiverse, then like into the spider verse that's accessible through this movie, which is just crazy because we know Dr. Strange has reality manipulating powers. Um, and then we've got Rachel McAdams, of course, playing uh, Dr. Strange's love interest. Tilda Swinton playing the ancient one. I think that's her name. And then Tom Hiddleston. We've got Loki build in the cast. It's crazy. And so Sam, hot. and this is the thing is, the thing is Sam Raimi is directing this movie. And Sam Raimi directed all three Spider-Man movies, which Tobey Maguire starred in. So we've also been hearing rumors about Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield being in uh, <laughs> the third Spider-Man movie. If this movie happens, it, it, it's very easy. It, it would be so cool to see them. I just want to see an older Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire. That would be so cool. I <laughs> yeah, think sure. he's my second favorite Spider-Man. Tom Holland, I think, is the best one. But it's interesting that Tom Holland isn't billed here. I wonder what they're going to do with him. It's very interesting. And then in other news, Mandalorian season two just premiered today at the time of the recording. Uh, today, we were recording the day that Raiders of the Lost Ark went live. So it just came out today. Uh, Juan Pablo, you've watched it. I've watched it. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything just because. Go watch it. It's amazing. Go watch it. It's amazing. It is incredible. I love this show Space so much. Cowboys. I know it's just like a Western. It's just like an old timey Western. And I love it. I love every bit of it. Um, that's pretty much it for the movie news. Um, did you have anything you wanted to share or do you think that's, I think, I think that's it. Thank you so much for having me on. It was so much fun, dude. This was a great conversation. I think It, it ran seamlessly from start to finish. Yeah. Uh, so, (laughs) uh, Thanks so much for coming on. I hope we have you again. Yeah, Um, thank you. I will talk to you soon, my friend. Mm -hmm. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Quick Thoughts with Adam podcast. If you have any questions or would like to suggest a movie, you can go ahead and DM me on Instagram or leave a message on the Anchor website. That's all for now. See you next week. Begun the Clone War has.